0: I want you to notice in the text that we read. I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Notice the statement that the prophet is making. I will look. I will wait. God will hear. Very simple thought. But if you ever come to the place where. Your response to every challenge of life is, I will look, I will wait, God will hear. You will be in a very solid, secure position. Where do you look when trouble comes? Turn over to Psalm 121. I want you to see that. Psalm 121. I always knew Psalm 121 from a tape that i had that i probably got when i was about 14 and it was of brother lester roloff and his uh, choir singing and and uh they sang a song that i always enjoyed but before they sang the song the girls choir sang or they quoted in unison psalm 121 and i can hear it just as uh, clear it was something that i put in my little um it wasn't a Walkman, but I called it a Walkman. It was the Radio Shack brand, but it was uh, uh, it was a tape player, and I, I carried that with me as I mowed uh, uh, grass, as I raked leaves, whatever while I was working I had that on. And and uh, this was one of the tapes that I played over and over again. And right before Brother Olaf got up to preach, uh, those girls got up, and I can still hear them saying in, in unison, I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from whence come with my help. And they quoted the whole chapter together. And so, uh, but... This this chapter now has a new meaning. Every time I look at Psalm one twenty one, I don't think of that. I used to think of that, but I don't think of that anymore because this psalm became very special to me on um, the day in September uh, six years ago now already that uh, we went to the Danbury Hospital. This is at the end of a long story. I'll skip the long story and go to the end. And we went to Danbury Hospital on that Monday. And we checked in, I think it was about quarter after three, and uh, I remember looking at the clock and, and uh, Danbury Hospital hadn't been renovated yet. And so we're in this tiny little uh, room in the ER and uh, there was a big old clock on the wall right in front of me. And I just remember looking at the clock and uh, saying, well, this we should be home in time for Jeopardy, I think. And uh, we were not home in time for Jeopardy because when seven o'clock rolled around, I was uh, upstairs getting an MRI. And uh, by that time, the ER uh, uh, ER Doctor had already said to, to Amy, uh, I'm afraid there's going to be an amputation here. And uh, so she called a few people. And, and I didn't know all this was going on. I'm, I'm just, you know, going in the tunnel there, the, the MRI tunnel. And uh, I don't even know if that's the right word. But, um, but anyhow, I was checked into the hospital by 9 o'clock. And uh, when I was checked into the hospital, on one side of the bed was Pastor Mrs. Bish. And the other side of the bed was Brother Charlie Clark and, and uh, his wife, Jay. And uh, Pastor Bish, they're an hour away. That's still a huge thing that they were there. But I have no idea how Brother Charlie and his wife just dropped what they were doing and made a three-hour trip to come up. But there they were. And Brother Charlie whipped out his Bible, and he just started reading Psalms. And he's reading this Psalm and that Psalm and the other Psalm. And, and they knew that the doctor had said, it looks like you're going to have um, at least some toes and maybe even your leg amputated by tomorrow, and we're not sure. And so they were there to be an encouragement to me. And, of course, Brother uh, Pastor Bish was a huge encouragement to me because uh, uh, he had already had uh, his leg amputated up to his knee, and he was there to tell me it's going to be all right. And uh, Brother Charlie, though, he's reading the psalms, and he's reading this psalm, that psalm, the other psalm, and he gets to Psalm 121. And he just starts reading. And I knew what was coming. He said, I'll lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. And he, he goes, he will not. And he froze. And I said, I know what's coming next. Go ahead and read it. He said, okay. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. And uh, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. And he read the rest of the chapter. So now I cannot read Psalm 121 without remembering that night. But notice that verse 1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Back to Micah chapter 7, where do you look when trouble comes? The prophet said, I will look unto the Lord. When you get the bad news or when you face a crisis, a big crisis or a small crisis, When you're facing a small crisis, it doesn't feel small. When Brother Steve was trying to figure out that problem on the machine he was working on, no, it wasn't cancer, it wasn't world peace, but when it's the problem that's right in front of you, it feels like the biggest problem in the world. He looked to the Lord. Not once he got his answer, then he ignored the Lord, but but he looked to the Lord. Where do you look when you face an obstacle? Where do you look? Oh, I just, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. I just got a call. Nothing wrong with calling a friend, but how about you look to the Lord first? Oh, I can't believe this is happening. I need to post about this. (laughs) Okay, that's fine, but how about you go to the Lord first? I will look unto the Lord. What a great thing would be if we could all Train ourselves. And it's a matter of growth. It doesn't happen right away. You can't just decide tonight. You can, if you want to, come down to the altar and say, oh, okay, Lord, I'm going to decide when trouble comes. I'm going to look to the Lord. And first thing, I mean, you, you could have a flat tire on the way home tonight and you'll forget to look to the Lord because that's how we are. It's something that we have to be trained. We have to let the Lord teach us. That's your first reaction when you get in a crisis I'm going to look to the Lord. As Psalm 121 said, From whence cometh my help? If we really believed help came from the Lord, we'd look to Him. We don't look in the direction where we know there's no help coming. We look to the one from whom we believe help is coming. That's why we call a certain friend first. When you have a breakdown on the side of the road, who do you call? The person who's not going to come and get you? No, you call the person that will come and get you. And when you know God has your answers... And you learn I will look unto the Lord. I will, Micah said, I will look unto the Lord. If that was all the message was about tonight, if we just took 15 or 20 or 30 minutes to drive that home, I will look unto the Lord. I will look unto the Lord. If that could get down in your soul, if you could take that home with you, if it could, if you could go home with that ringing in your ears, it would help you Every day of your life, I will look unto the Lord. I'm not sure how I'm going to fix this. Uh... Uh, th- this uh, financial problem that has arisen. I will look unto the Lord. I'm not sure what I'm going to do at, at work. I've got a crisis and, and I'm not sure how I'm going to handle it. I will look unto the Lord. I'm not sure we've got this problem at home and it's a recurring problem. I'm not sure how to handle it. I will look unto the Lord. I will look unto the Lord. Hey, I we, they, we had a, uh, a a business meeting. I didn't uh, I just was a spectator but uh, there was a business meeting out in the lobby after everybody had left today about uh, seven or eight people basically decided there's no hope in November that uh, the it doesn't matter how the election turns out it's a nightmare and uh, I just was a spectator and I honestly they finally they looked at me you know I'm sitting there and I uh, said uh, what are we gonna do and I said, well, I know this, when Ahab was the worst king of Israel, and that's when God raised up an Elijah. I said, if, if we have to have an Ahab and a Jezebel, it looks, well, anyway, uh, if we have to have an Ahab and a Jezebel uh, in order to get an Elijah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Somebody said, you're voting for Hillary? I said, I didn't say that. I said, if we have to have an Ahab or an Elijah, I'm sorry, Ahab or a Jezebel in order to get an Elijah, I'll go along with that if that's what the Lord wants. But uh, uh, so, so what do you do when you're, oh no, there's no hope in Washington. There's never been hope in Washington. What are you nuts? I will look to the Lord. I will look to the Lord. Pastor, that's not really an answer. It's the only answer that's ever worked. I will look unto the Lord. I will look unto the Lord. I will look unto the Lord. And then he says, I will wait. Now, waiting alone doesn't get you anywhere unless you're looking to the Lord. But if you look to the Lord and not just take a glance in his direction, but I mean, all right. All my hope is in Him. If I'm going to get an answer, an answer at all, it's going to come from God. You're fixed upon heaven. You're fixed on the promises of God's word. I will look unto the Lord. He's going to bring my answer. He's going to take care of this. He's going to step in. Lord, I'm I'm calling upon you. I'm I'm trusting you. I will look unto the Lord. Now you've looked to the Lord, you continue to look to the Lord, and the next step, the prophet says, I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. Most folks, what we do is we look, nothing happens, so we go ahead and try to solve it ourselves. Now I'm all for the effort that fits within the scriptural parameters, but If you're going to look unto the Lord, you cannot just move ahead with your own brilliant idea that hasn't gone through the scriptural process. No, I will look unto the Lord, therefore I will wait for him to fix this, however long it takes. So where do you look when trouble comes? And do you trust him to deliver you? Do you trust him? You say, I, I have a crisis and I don't know how to fix it. Are you looking to the Lord? Do you trust God in his timing to come and deliver you? Do you trust God in his timing to come and deliver you? God has made some promises. Do you trust God to keep his word in his time? December 7th, 1988. A devastating earthquake hit the country of Armenia. 30,000 people were killed in four minutes. Man was at home with his family, except for his little boy. His little boy was at school. And he made sure that his wife and children were secure, his other children were secure. He said, I'm going to see if our son is alive. He walked down to the school and his heart sank when he got there because the school building was completely flattened. He didn't panic. He thought, he pictured the place in this big school building where he had walked through the front door and gone down this hallway and then turned this way and turned this way until he led his son to his classroom. He pictured where that would be in this huge pile of rubble. And he walked over to the place where, where that was in the building. And in despair, he looked at the pile of rubble and a voice inside of him says, they're all dead. He starts to walk away. And then he remembers something he had told his son since his son was old enough to walk. No matter what happens, I will come for you. So he reaches over in the spot where he thought his son's classroom would be. And he picks up a brick and throws it off to the side. He picks up another brick and throws it off to the side with that sentence haunting him no matter what happens ever. I will come for you. He picks up bricks and he's moving bricks and he's picking up bricks and he's moving them. He's there for a half an hour. He's there for an hour. He's there for two hours. He's there for five hours picking up bricks and moving them. Other parents by this time have rushed down and They're distraught once they see the same thing that he had seen, the leveled building. And they start uh, crying and screaming in in agony and despair. And once they calm down, they come over to try to talk him out of... They think, you're just in shock. And so they try to talk him out of continuing. And once they finish talking, he said... Will you help me now? The other parents, one by one, they walk away six hours, eight hours, ten hours. He's moving bricks. He's moving bricks. He's moving bricks. Twelve hours. Fifteen hours. The fire department comes. Fireman says, sir, this is a dangerous place. There are fires erupting all over the place. You, you, need to, you need to leave. Your life is in jeopardy. We know you're, you're, you're saddened and we know your heart is broken, but you need to go home. That's the safe place for you to be. And when the fireman's done talking and dad is still moving bricks, he says, all right, will you help me now? The fireman walks away and he continues moving bricks 16 hours, 18 hours, 20 hours, 22 hours, 24 hours. He's been there an entire day. The police come. Sir, you've got to go home. This is a dangerous zone, very unsafe. We understand your grief, but you've got to leave when the policeman finishes his speech. The father looks at him and says, Are you going to help me now? And the police officer shakes his head and walks away. 26 hours, 28 hours, 30, 32 hours. He's still moving bricks. He's still moving bricks off the pile with that phrase going through his head No matter what happens, son, I will come for you. No matter whatever happens to you, I will come for you. 34 hours. 36 hours, 38 hours, he moves a brick, and he hears a human voice. He calls his son's name. I think his son's name was Armandi, if I'm not mistaken. Armandi, is that you? And he hears his son's voice say, Dad! Dad! I told him you'd come. He said, there's 13 of us in here. My teacher's here. They all gave up, but I said, don't give up. My dad will come because he said, no matter whatever happens, I will come for you. What had happened is when the earthquake took place and everything crumbled, a wall collapsed and at an angle created a shelter, a pocket underneath all that rubble where many of his classmates were killed, but he and 12 others survived. And a little boy believed. In fact, the boy said to his dad, Dad, go ahead and take everybody else out first because I know you're not going to leave me. You can leave me till last. Why? Because he took His dad at his word. You can check that out. It's a true story. He took his dad at his word. Here's my question for me. Do I trust my father's promise as much as that boy trusted his dad's promise? When he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That boy had to wait 38 hours. Sometimes you got to wait a little while when your crisis comes. When your crisis comes and you look to God for help, then sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait hours. Sometimes you got to wait days. Sometimes you got to wait months. Sometimes you got to wait years. But if you cling to a promise, Job clung to a promise. Oh, he, boy, he wrestled with it. You ought to read through the book of Job and see the, the painful process he went through mentally and spiritually and emotionally. But he clung to that promise. I know that my Redeemer liveth. When I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. He clung to the promise. He didn't even have written promises. You've got a lap full of promises from your father. Do you trust your father's word like that little boy trusted his father's word? The prophet said, I will look. I will wait. And then he said, God will hear. Are you confident that God hears you? There are two great things that every Child of God needs to let God teach you. Number one, you need to learn to recognize God's voice. Don't be content to just make up your own mind and then attribute that to God. Well, God told me to do this. That's, that's You don't want to live that way. But to genuinely know when God is speaking to you. To genuinely know when it's the voice of the Lord through the word of God by way of the Holy Ghost. Moving your heart. You know one way to recognize the voice of God? He will early on tell you to do some hard things. Like going to somebody and apologizing for something you did. Like letting go of some favorite sin of yours. Like... Saying goodbye to a crowd that's bringing you down. I guarantee you when those things come into your heart, it wasn't Satan telling you that. It wasn't your own flesh telling you that. And you know good and well, wow, that was was the Lord moving me to make that choice because that's a hard choice. It's a righteous choice. And that's an important place because when you obey that voice, God will speak again. But if you ignore that voice when you know it's God, hey, it's time to go down that altar and let go of that favorite thing of yours because it's bringing you down, it's holding you back. Hey, it's time to go and find this person from 10 years ago that you know you committed offense against him, and you need to look him in the eye and tell tell him, I am sorry. The voice of God. When you obey the voice of God, you'll hear it again. You need to know the voice of God, but then there's another thing in communicating with God that you need to know. You need to come to the place where you know that God hears your voice. To pray to where you know that you've been heard. To get on your knees and pray late at night, early in the morning, to stay before God, to call unto him, God, I need your help. God, show me what to do. Lord, I don't know what to do about this. Lord, I'm confused. I need your help. God, please show me the way. God, please show me the way. God, please show me the way. Now, I'll just be honest. There's times when I've prayed for a need and I, I, I say to myself, this is a desperate need. I got a big day tomorrow. I can't stay here and pray all night. How am I going to know when I've prayed enough and I can go to bed? Because a lot of times what gets me out of bed is when I know if you don't go to the Lord about this thing, nothing's going to change. So, and I'm just being honest with you, begrudgingly, I'll get out of bed, get on my knees, and I'll tell the Lord, I'm not real fond of being here right now. But I know I need to be. I need your help, Lord. I need your help. And there's no set time. There's no, you know, okay, 30 minutes and you're good. But I will tell you, there comes a place where you just have the peace. God has heard you. You can go to bed. God has heard you. You need to know that you know the voice of God, but then you need to know that God has heard you. Now, that's just one example. Just in general having nothing to do with the clock you need to know that when you pray that god hears you and the only way to come to the place where you know that god hears you when you pray is to pray i will look i will wait god will hear you're in a good place in your christian walk when that describes your faith i will look I will wait. God will hear. Would you take that home with you tonight? Would you meditate upon that? I will look. I will wait. God will hear. You go through the Bible, you'll find that that formula describes every hero of the Bible. Abraham! You go around, you think think that you're going to be the father of some great nation. Bro, you're 90 years old, and you and Sarah don't have a son. What are you going to do, old man? I will look. I will wait. God will hear. David! You're wasting your life away, David. You're 25 years old, and you're living as a fugitive. I know that old thing of the preacher showed up and he anointed you and that whole story, that's great and everything. And the thing with Goliath, that was great. But hey, that's history, David. That's been almost 10 years ago. Now look at you. You're a fugitive. You're an outlaw. And you're not king. What are you going to do? I will look. I will wait. God will hear. Daniel! They made a law, Daniel. Your prayer habit is against the law. You're not allowed to pray anymore to the God of Israel. What are you going to do? I will look, I will wait. God will hear. John! All the other disciples are dead. They're dead. <laughs> you're an old man. The Christian faith didn't work out. Okay, so it lasted a generation. It was that's pretty good. It's a pretty good run. But now you're an old man. You're on an island. You're isolated. The world has forgotten about you. It's over. What are you going to do? I will look. I will wait. God will hear. We know about all those men. It turned out great for them. Because they looked unto the Lord. They waited for the God of their salvation. And God heard them. This this is about a group of people. That decided that their nation was not a good place to raise children. It was actually a church body. It was a local church that decided that their nation was not a good place to raise children. So they snuck out one night out of where they lived in England and they went over to Holland. Pretty soon things were not as they were supposed to be over there, they came back and they decided as a church body. Can you imagine coming to the, come into a business meeting and a pastor says, hey, the deacons have met and we've decided that as a church body, we're all just, we're, you know, we're all just going to, uh, I don't know, where you want to go? Uh, we're going, let's go to the Bahamas. We'll call it the new world, right? You'd say, what? You expect us to go with you? What kind of cult is this? But this whole, and and we're not doing that, but this whole church body, they agreed together. We're going to go to the new world. This is 1620. And we're just going to see what happens. But we're going to trust the Lord. And they had a very famous prayer meeting. They looked to the Lord. They said, Lord, we're going to trust you. They got on a boat, they came to America and it couldn't be more <laughs> more uh, trite, is that the word, to say the rest is history because the rest is our history. That story's right here and very famous book that was actually lost for a long time and then rediscovered in the, I believe, the late 17, maybe no, I think maybe even late 1800s it was rediscovered. The Writings of Governor William Bradford called of Plymouth Plantation. If you wanted to summarize this story in a short sentence, you couldn't do better than we will look, we will wait, God will hear. Remarkably, about that same time, under the very same negative circumstances, there was a Baptist preacher in England. And the law had gone out that you've got to get a license from the state if you want to preach. And at first, preachers banded together and said, we will not do that. (laughs) But gradually, their resolve weakened. By the way, can I just give you this thought? The Bible says God said of Noah that Noah have I found righteous before me. And the strong incompl- implication in that verse is only Noah have I found righteous before me. Um, if Noah was the only one that God found righteous, don't you think there must have been some things, some issues, where Noah was the only holdout? where everybody else caved, but only Noah still believed the way the old-timers believed. That's, that's a thought there, Brother Steve. So a bunch of people rose up and said, we're not going to take a license, bless God. Our license to preach comes from God. But the pressure got hotter and heavier, and they folded and caved, and they actually came and they arrested One pastor, Pastor John, and they put him in prison. They put him in jail, the Bedford jail, and it wasn't that far removed from the timeline of these folks, by the way. As they were struggling in the new world, Pastor John was sitting in jail under the same government in London, Uh, In in England, in, in Bedford, actually, in England. He sat there for 12 years. Pastor John, they say, before there was a Charles Spurgeon, would have been called the greatest Baptist preacher of all time. They said John Bunyan was one of the most remarkable pulpiteers, eloquent, spirit-filled pulpiteers ever. And here he is sitting in jail for 12 years over something that all of his peers came to say. By the way, by the time he got out of jail, he had no church left and there was no other pastor that was still standing with him. Everybody else gave up. He was the only holdout. But God put his stamp of approval on Pastor John's life. And he penned what is one of the best-known books of all time. In fact, at one time, in fact, this may still be true, it is the all-time bestseller second only to the Bible, Pilgrim's Progress. This particular copy was printed in 1836, 180 years old. By the way, just to tell you, the treasures you can find, if you've ever been Route 34 on your way to Derby, just before you get to the main intersection there in Derby, there is a bookstore there, an old warehouse that says Books by the Falls. I found this in there about 12 years ago. You'd be amazed what you can find if you search a little bit, if you love books enough. You said, John Bunyan, what's your life story? I don't think you could summarize it better than I will look, I will wait, God will hear. I'm not going to tell you all these stories, but here's a young lady born in 1820, five miles from where we sit as the crow flies, born blind. Girls born blind, anybody born blind in the early 1800s especially, was considered useless. You're good for nothing. You're a a throwaway. And that little eight-year-old girl stood in the backyard And pointed her blind eyes to heaven and said, God, I know you have a purpose for me. God used her to write over 9,000 poems. Many of those poems were hymns. We sang one of those hymns tonight, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. No matter where you go in the world, if you go to a Christian church, some Sunday they're going to sing some of that little girl's songs. What would be the story of Fanny Crosby's life? I will look. See, even a blind person can look unto the Lord. I will look. I will wait. God will hear. That same century, a preacher named George Mueller decided to start some orphanages, except he had no money. George Mueller stated, and he states in in his autobiography, he stated one of the great purposes of these orphanages is to show the world a living illustration that God answers prayer. Because so many times those orphans were fed and those bills were paid simply on answered prayer. This book is called Life of Trust. Actually, this copy was given to me by... Pastor Crichton, just probably four months after my uh, amputation, and he came to town just to be here and just to give me this copy of this book. It's called The Life of Trust, but it could be called I Will Look, I Will Wait, God Will Hear. How about this man that you all know? He was younger than I am right now. He was an evangelist and his wife. Became deathly ill. And when that illness was passed, she was an invalid. He was in his prime as a preacher. He was greatly in demand as an evangelist. And he had people that told, told him, Your wife's an invalid, put her in a nursing home and go travel and preach. He said, I will not, because I made some vows. And for 30 years, For 30 years. He would travel and take her with him. Many times having to carry her. Physically carry her somewhere. Where there was no other way to get her to a room. Or into a church auditorium. Or into a place where they were eating or staying. For 30 years. I will look. I will wait. God will hear. The name of Dr. Williams autobiography is prayer and faith but it could just as easily be i will look i will wait i will hear here's my question to you and to me as we close tonight what's the story of your life where do you look do you take god at his word like that little boy in armenia took god that took his dad at his word when he said Whatever happens, I will come for you. Do you know that God hears you when you pray? I will look, the prophet said. I will wait. I will hear. I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Father, I pray tonight that you'd strengthen our faith. I pray that you'd help us to know that you have given us promise after promise after promise. And I pray that you would teach us to live the life of trust. I pray that you would help us to decide to seek your face. Lord, to believe you, to take you at your word. Teach us how, Lord, when trouble comes, when calamity comes, when heartache comes, when challenges come, that our first response will be, I will look unto the Lord. But not just to look once, to stay there and say, I will wait for the God of my salvation. He will hear me. Strengthen our faith, I pray. Let's stand together tonight. The piano plays.